Guys, this morning I'm going to start a message. It's actually a two-part message, and it's on relationships. How many know relationships are pretty important, okay? Relationships with our wives, relationships with our family, relationships with our bosses, um, uh, relationships uh, with school and, and different things going on like that. So relationships are really, really important. And today we're going to begin a, a message out of Romans chapter number 12, and we're going to talk about relationships in the church. Now, why is it important to have, relation, to have good relationships in the church and good relationships with believers? Because how many have ever been, um, how, anybody here ever been hurt in church? Yeah, okay. Believe it or not, there are people not in church today because they got hurt. There are people that are out of church today because somebody said something poorly, somebody did something wrong, something wasn't handled correctly. So God has given us direction. God has given us instruction on how we should get along with one another, okay? You know what, guys? Last time I checked, the church is a family, okay? Now, how many... um, we all have families, okay? And, and in families, Miss Robin, sometimes we have difficulties, right? Okay, even my family. Believe it or not, just because I'm the pastor, my family's not perfect, okay? We may look perfect, but we're far from it, okay? So we even have problems in our families. But the one thing about families is, given some time, they always work things out. Okay, families work things out. And guess what? In the church, if we're a family, we need to work some things out. So today we're going to talk about a message and, and out of Romans chapter number 12 about relationships and about how God has given us some instruction on how we should act with believers in the church. Now next week we're going to kind of change the, the course a little bit and we're going to talk about how we should treat folks that are outside the church, how we should interact with unbelievers. By the way, you do realize that church folks are supposed to interact with unbelievers. We're supposed to be light. We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to show them the love of God. Did you realize that sometimes the only Bible somebody will ever read is your life? They're not going to open up this good book. They're not going to come to church, but they're going to watch your life. Brandon, they're going to watch how you react to things that set other people off. They're going to watch how you keep your cool when everybody else is losing it. Okay? They're going to watch how you exemplify the love of Christ. So today we're going to begin a message on relationships. And this week we're going to focus on how we as believers or how we should treat each other in the church. And, and this is not just in our church, this is in the church in general, but since most of our relationships with other believers happen in the church world, we're going to talk about that. And again, every church has had difficulties in the past, this church has had difficulties in the past, so if we can learn a few lessons from Romans 12, I think that the future is going to be very, very bright. So let's get to business and, and talk about what God expects from us. Romans chapter number 12, verses 9 through 13. How should you and I as believers relate to other believers? How should we treat believers and behave toward them? This subject is very important to Jesus. So let's look at our text. Romans chapter number 12, beginning with verse number 9. Read now the King James Version. It says this. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, 
distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. A lot of stuff in those five little verses, but these are things that God expects from you and I as we interact with one another, as we, we work together, as we, as we grow together. So let's pray today that the Lord would speak to our hearts and help us with our relationships with others. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I thank you right now, Lord, that you are in total control of all things. I ask right now that you would bless this message, that you would help it to speak to people's hearts. And I just ask right now that you'd continue to comfort and strengthen Sister Gail as she goes through this tough time. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody would say, Amen. All right, let's look at verses 9 and 10. Paul says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. You see, guys, the believer is to love sincerely without hypocrisy. Okay? We're supposed to love sincerely. We're supposed to love with a a heartfelt love. The word dissimulation means without hypocrisy, not play acting, not doing one thing or not saying one thing and doing another. You know, when I think of brotherly love, I have two sons and they're 17 months apart. And, and Ronnie, when I think of brotherly love, I instantly think of some of their, their, um, their squabbles, okay? I think of, how many have kids and, and they fight sometimes, okay? I mean, man, that, Nick, do you remember some of those fights? I mean, I, I, again, Nick, your big brother's a little out of your weight class, but I'm, I'm sure you, you know, y'all had some interactions before, okay? Hunter and Hayden have some real interactions sometimes, but Michael, at the end of the day, they still love each other, okay? Look, they can fight with each other. They can talk about each other, but don't let somebody else try it, okay? Because real, how, how many have seen that before? You thought, oh, uh, uh, let me get something in here. And all of a sudden, those two have turned on you. Why? It's brotherly love. Family sticks together. And guys, that's what it really needs to be about in the church. We as family, we as believers need to stick together. If we don't stick together, who will? So brotherly love needs to be sincere love. It needs to be real Um, no play acting, no hypocrisy. It needs to be the real thing. It means that a person just does not say, I love you, but he actually loves. He sincerely loves. It's not just words spoken, it's action. You see, guys, love is, love is nothing if it doesn't lead to action. Love should always lead us to action. It should always lead us to do something. We must show love and respect to one another as believers, interest and attention, care and concern, and we must show it without impure motives. You see, did you know that people see our actions? They don't see our motives. God sees both. God doesn't just see what we do, Robin. God sees why we do what we do. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but I've been guilty before of doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Anybody else? Okay, would you be honest enough to admit that? There have been some things I've done because it's the right thing to do, but my heart wasn't in it. My motives weren't right. And you know what? Here's the amazing thing. God doesn't give me credit for that. God doesn't give me credit for just doing the right thing. He sees my heart. He sees why I do what I do. And we need to get to the place that we do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. We love one another in the church because that's what we do. We love sincerely. We love with a pure heart. We're completely free of selfish motives. 
We love one another because of who they are, because of who they are as a gift from God, as a child of God. We need to learn how to love sincerely those that are in the church. Paul said it this way to the Corinthians, prove the sincerity of your love in 2 Corinthians 8 and 8. And then John reiterated the same point in 1 John 3.18. My little children, let us love not in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. Again, it's not enough to say we love. We must demonstrate it in different ways. And there's four different ways that I think Paul Paul talked about to the Romans about us demonstrating our love. Number one, the believer is to love by hating evil. The word abhor is strong, very strong. It means to hate with intense feeling, to loathe, to look upon with horror. Okay? Guys, that, that, that is even a stronger word than when I say I hated LSU losing to Florida. Okay? I mean, it is stronger than when I say I hated our Berwick Panthers losing to Erath. I just got nauseous saying that, okay? I mean, that is, that is a word that is stronger than anything else, okay? Guys, that's how we should hate evil. You know, last time I checked, we should hate the things that God hates, that's sin, and love the things that God loves, that's people. Let me say that again. We need to hate the things that God hates, that's sin, and love the things that God loves, and that's people. That's people in the church. That's people outside the church. We need to love with all sincerity. The point is that believers must love and show this love by hating things that are evil. That's why Paul told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. See, guys, I talk to teenagers for a little bit. Um, guys, you got to watch who you hang out with. You got to watch the relationships that you have based upon this scripture. Abstain from the mere appearance of evil. You know what? If, if, if you ask some teachers or you ask some parents, who's the good kids at school? Who's the bad kids? They'd have a list for both. Okay. By the way, some of us as adults have been on both those lists before. Now, hadn't we? Okay. We were the good kids. We were the bad kids. We were all those things. That's why you got to abstain from the mere appearance of evil. If you're hanging with the wrong people, you're going to end up doing the wrong things. Oh, you sound like a parent right now. Well, maybe I am, okay? You got to hang with the right people so you'll do the right things. The church is the right people. You're with the right people. You're in the right place. You're doing the right things. Now let's love sincerely. Psalms 34, 14 says, depart from evil, do good, seek peace, pursue it. Psalm 97, 10, ye that love the Lord. If you love the Lord, you're going to hate evil. Secondly, the believer is to love by cleaving to that which is good. We're supposed to hate evil and we're supposed to grab to what is good. It means to join, to fasten together, to cement glue together. Reminds me of Monday night after prayer. This little screen had fallen down. Okay, by the way, Donna, we got a little further down. I like that. Okay, and there was a little thing that we had to reattach. Okay, and we got up there, Mario, and Oh, wait, where were you that day? Okay, but we got up there and, and we started uh, sticking it together and we we're using some gorilla tape and we had gorilla glue and Pastor Tommy had, had, had contacted somebody with 3M. We're going to do what, anything we need to do, Brother Bernie, get that thing back up there, okay? We we're trying to reconnect it. We we're trying to put it back together. And that's the same thing right here, guys, as we got that screen to cleave to that little, that little piece that would help, help it do what it's supposed to do. You and I as believers are supposed to cleave to one another another. We're in this thing together. We're on the same team. And I got good news for you guys. It's the winning team. 
I don't know about you, but I hate losing, okay? I hate losing more than I enjoy winning, and I really enjoy winning. This has been a rough weekend for your pastor, okay? We lost on Thursday. LSU lost last night. Please, oh God, let the Saints bring it home tomorrow night, okay? I don't know if I could take another loss, okay? In fact, late in the game Thursday... Uh, Coach Walker said, Mo, you still up there? I said, I was thinking about jumping from the press box, but it's a long fall. (laughs) Okay? But here's the deal. I hate losing. Guys, guess what? If you're in the church, you're on the winning team. Look, I came to faith as a 20-year-old. Brandon, I would have came to faith as a 10-year-old if somebody just told me you could be on the winning team. Okay? Why don't you sign up for the winning team? I read the end of the book. You and I as Christians win. Robin, we win. We don't have to fight for victory. Victory has already been won for us. We are victors. We are not victims. We're in this thing together. You're on the winning team. Well, pastor, I don't always feel like it. Hey, here's the interesting thing about feelings. Your feelings, though very real, are often inaccurate. Mm, I wish we had, I wish we had somebody on the organ. Okay. Here's the deal, guys. Just because you feel some way doesn't mean that's true. The enemy will lie to you through your feelings. The enemy will try to sabotage your feelings. Why? Because he's trying to sabotage your faith. Don't let him do it. Cleave together. Connect with others in the church. It's so important. Thirdly, the believer is to love by loving his brothers in Christ, by being kind and affectionate toward them, by serving them, by by helping out. This week, Pastor Ronnie needs your help. We're going to be moving on Thursday. Pastor Tommy and I have cleared our schedule, okay? We're going to be helping out. Now, I have given Pastor Ronnie a hard time. Why are you moving when teenagers are in school? Okay, you're the youth pastor. You can volunteer teenagers to come help, okay? But he needs to get started that morning, so we need some help. He needs some ladies to help clean their new house. He needs some men to help us go help him move. That's what we do in the church, guys. That's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. If we're going to love, if we're going to say we love our youth pastor, and we do, it's Pastor Ronnie Day. Did you know that? It's Pastor Appreciation Month. There's some different gifts and cards back there on the back table. That's for Ronnie and his wife and his family. Be sure to thank our youth pastor for all that he does. But you know what he'd rather over a thank you? He'd rather you help on Thursday. (laughs) Rather you help on Friday, okay? It's real easy to say, hey, thanks, dude, you rock. It'd be a whole lot better for you to show up with me and Tommy on Thursday and say, hey, I'm here to work. Again, guys, that is putting, act, put, you're putting your love into action. It's what Jesus taught in John 13 when he said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, guys, when you love one another in the church, you send a message to the community. So many times in the church, the church sends a message to the community, but it hasn't been a good one. Let's be honest. There's been times that there's been fights in the church. There's been dissension in the church. When I worked for the district office, I used to go to those troubled churches, okay? It helped being 62250, okay? Because sometimes you literally had to get in between these folks. These are church folks acting a fool. It's time for that to stop. It's time for us to love one another sincerely. It's time for us to be here for one another completely so that we can send a message to this world that we're different. Guys, for so long, the church has tried to act like the world. You're not going to reach the world if you act like the world. 
Okay, you got to be different. You got to love one another. That's what Jesus was trying to tell us. Paul told us the same thing in Ephesians 4. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God has forgiven you. You know, some of us struggle to forgive. Some of us are struggling with forgiveness right here and right now. Just think about what if God forgave you like you forgave others? Ooh. I'm really glad God is quick to forgive me. I'm really glad that when I ask him to forgive me, he forgives me. We need to make sure that we're forgiving as quickly as we have been forgiven. And then finally, the believer is to love by giving preference to one another, honoring one another. The word preferring means to go before, to set an example. The charge is clear. We as believers are to love and esteem and respect one another. Think about all the problems that could have been avoided in the church if we just honored one another, if we just loved one another, if we just preferred one another. Paul said it this way in Philippians 2, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Basically, guys, it comes down in the church to being selfless. I talked about this Wednesday night. Our problem is we're selfish. Now, you know what? I'm an only child, okay? I don't think we have very many other only children in here, right? Tell me one more time. I, I, Bertina, I knew you were an only child. I love that. I love that about you, okay? We're, we're in this thing together. Is there anybody else other than me and Bertina that are only children? Anybody else? Yeah, there you go, Caden Gill. Thank you, King. Okay? But here's the deal. Uh, I've heard it said that if you hang out around only children long enough, you know it. Now, I don't understand that. Bertina probably doesn't understand that, and Caden certainly doesn't. But all the rest of you understand what we're talking about, right? Because only children don't have to share growing up, so they tend to be a little bit selfish. Anybody ever met somebody who's a little bit selfish? My wife tells me that as an only child, sometimes I'm selfish. And, And I admit that, and I'm trying to get better at that. But guys, guess what? It ain't just me and Bertina that are selfish. We all are. At the end of the day, we want to do what we want to do. The problem is, God knows that ain't the best recipe for success. God knows that you and I need to allow the Lord to soften our hearts, to change our hearts, so that we're selfless instead of selfish. Amen? And guys, that's the key to a strong and healthy church. That's the key to us getting along, being less selfish and more selfless. You know, I got to brag on somebody for a little bit. I love Bernie and Anna Lee Dinger. I love you guys. I really, really do. She loves me too. Okay, that's a good thing. That's a mutual love, mutual respect, okay? You know what I love about these guys so much? They are absolutely committed to what God wants to do at this church. You know, there's been a lot of changes in the last two years. Some folks have been happy about it. Some folks haven't been. Some people left about it, okay? But you know what these folks have done? They've loved me through all of it. They constantly say, Pastor, we love you. We love what's happening here. We love the young people that are here. So, Stanley, look at that. Three, four rows of teenagers right there. That's a good thing, huh? That's life. That's what they want. That's what we should all want. Because that's what God wants. God wants a church with a future. God wants a church that's loving one another. God wants a church that can make a difference in a community. Amen? Sister Annalie, Brother Bernie, thank you for being so selfless and not selfish. We need more people like that. And guys, that's the kind of love that we need to have in the church. Secondly, 
Not only should we love sincerely, but we should also serve the Lord passionately. Look at verse number 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Two things that we need to do right here. We need to be passionate about serving the Lord. We need to be passionate about what we're doing. You know, last week we talked about fervency. We talked about fervency in prayer. Well, God wants us to be fervent in serving him, in doing things for him. Not lazy, not going through the motions, but eager to do something for God. Guys, here's the thing. God takes perfect notes. God sees everything you do for him, and God's going to bless you for it. God's going to honor you for it. That's why you should be passionate, and you should be excited to do things for God. We need to be fervent in spirit, means to be white hot, to boil, to set a flame. A believer's spirit is to be passionate about doing things for God. That is what God expects for us, to be passionate, to be fervent, and to serve him. To do things that he wants us to do. Did you know that God has a plan and a purpose for every one of you in here? Every one of you in here, no matter how young you may be, no matter how old you may be, God has plans and purposes for you. And when you begin to follow those plans and purposes, God blesses you for it. God will bless you when you do things his way. I say this all the time. Blessings follow obedience. When you do things God's way, he blesses you for it. So we should serve the Lord with passion. We should serve the Lord fervently. Ephesians chapter number six, did you know that you can also serve the Lord at your workplace? Did you know that when you go to work tomorrow morning, you have an opportunity to serve the Lord? Let me read it to you. Ephesians chapter number six, verses five and seven. Servants, employees, be obedient to them that are your masters, your employers, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of God, doing the will of God from your heart, with good will doing service as unto the Lord and not unto men. Did you know you're not really working for your company? You're working for God. God has given you an opportunity to work at that place and be a testimony for him. Thirdly, and I'm almost done, there's going to be some times that we as believers need to conquer trials. There's been some difficult times that come to all of us. The chases have been through a difficult time the last six months. And you know what? That difficult journey has come to an end for LJ because he ain't hurting no more. But Sister Gail still got some tough days ahead. So we need to pray for her. We need to love on her. We need to reach out to her. Some of you ladies, you know what it's like to lose a husband. You know what it's like to be acquainted with grief. You need to reach out to her, not necessarily today, but next week and next month and as those those weeks keep coming. But guys, if you and I are going to be a strong church, if we're going to be a healthy church, we need to understand how to overcome trials. And Paul gave us some direction on how to do it. Let's read in verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. You see, there's three things that we ought to do to overcome trials. Number one, rejoice in hope. See, guys, our hope is in God, his presence, his care, his concern. God is either going to remove, there's two things that God's going to do through a trial. He's either going to remove that trial or he's going to walk with you through that trial. He's either going to move that mountain or he's going to help you climb that mountain. 
No matter what you may be going through today, if we truly believe the songs we sung this morning, that God is working for us, that God does all things well, that God works all things out according to his purpose, we're going to believe that even through difficult times, even through trials, even through tragedy, God is going to be with us. He's going to walk with you through that trial or he's going to deliver you out of that trial. Whatever the case, he's with you every step of the way. And that should be encouraging. You need to have your hope, not in man, but in God. You need to have your hope not in a pastor, but in a Savior. You need to have your hope in God. And that's why we need to rejoice in that. You know, I believe that during song service, God was trying to renew some hope for some of you. Because the enemy will try to steal your hope. Because if he can steal your hope, he'll think he can steal everything else. If he can steal your hope, he'll think he can steal your joy. If he can steal your joy, he thinks he might even be able to steal your salvation. So many times, guys, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's during tough times, it's through trials, it's through difficulties that he can get some of his best inroads. But if our hope is in the Lord. But Mario, if we'll renew our hope in the Lord, if we'll look to him, the author and the finisher of our faith, guess what? You'll make it through any trial. And that's where the church comes in. We've all been through it before. We've all been through difficult times before. And that's when we pray for one another. That's when we love one another. That's when we rejoice together with one another. Secondly, the believer is to endure trials. Patiently endure, remain, persevere, abide through difficult times. The believer actually can experience strength from the Lord during tough times. Philippians 4 and 13, Paul said, what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Isaiah 41, a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about promises from Isaiah. Remember this one? Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with thee. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Well, that's good to know that God's for us and not against us. Amen? And then the final way to overcome trials and temptations is to continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. That's why the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Doesn't tell us to worry without ceasing. Doesn't tell us to fret without ceasing, even though some of us do. It tells us to pray without ceasing. You know what? I read something on Facebook this week. And by the way, we read a lot of things on Facebook now, don't we? Okay. That's a different message for a different day. But here's the deal. Every time you begin to worry, use that as an impetus to pray. Instead of worrying about something, pray about something. Let's say you're worried about the economy. Let's say you're worried about your business. You're worried about what's going on in your family. Instead of worrying about that thing, which can do no good but stress you out, give you gray hairs, and who needs more of those, okay? How about you pray about it? How about you give it to God and say, God, I need you to touch this situation. I think a lot of good things could come of that. And then finally, verse number 13, and I'm almost done. Verse number 13, the final thing that you and I need to do in our relationship with other church folks is meeting needs unselfishly. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints, being given to hospitality. You see, believers are to meet the needs of people unselfishly. Two very simple commands are given. Number one, the believer is to give generously, to share with those in need, to give generously to the church in our tithe and offering, to distribute and to give to others and help meet needs. You see, guys, we need to be givers. 
We need to be actively serving the Lord, actively giving to the Lord. Remember the first point where we talked about loving? Well, guys, there's always a connection between loving and giving. Loving and giving are always related. You can give without loving. How many have paid their taxes recently? Okay. You can give without loving. I write a check to our state. I write a check to our government and I give it grudgingly, Homer. I grit my teeth and I sign that name and I hold it to the very last minute. Okay. Why? Because I don't want to give them my money. Okay. I give because it's the right thing to do, but I don't love doing it. But you can't love without giving. Hey, grandparents, you love those grandkids? Just Karen, you love those grandkids, huh? You give a little something to them sometimes, huh? Sometimes Blaze knows about it. Sometimes Blaze don't know about it, okay? Come here, Michaela. I got a little something for you, honey, okay? Hey, you understand that, right? Sister Eloise, you got a few grandchildren, don't you? Oh, you love those grandkids, huh? And they receive from you. Why? Because you love them. You cannot say you love something and you don't give. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave his one and only son. Guys, there's always a connection between loving and giving. And if we love the church, if we love the people of the church, we're going to give to the church. We're going to give to the ministries of the church. We're going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. So there has to be a generous spirit in all of us. And secondly, we're supposed to be given to hospitality. We're supposed to open up the doors of our homes, but more importantly, the doors of our heart to those that are in need. The Bible says that all leaders in the church should be blameless, according to 1 Timothy 3.2. The husband of one wife, I don't know what I'd do with more than one, vigilant, sober, good behavior, given the hospitality, able to teach, Timothy 1 and 8, but a lover of hospitality. Guys, I don't know about you, but my house is always open, okay? In fact, I got a funny story. Just this past weekend, the boys were gone, so me and Chantel are laying on the couch watching TV, and we think nobody's home, okay? Next thing you know, Caden walks in the kitchen. I'm like, dude, where you came from? I was sleeping, okay? I mean, it's like, there are people at my house I don't even know, Okay? I mean, people just walk in my house all the time. It's okay with me. One of these days, you're going to catch me in your boxers, though, and you can't unsee something, okay? But, but knock first, at least, okay? But here's the deal. We've always been given the hospitality. People have, my wife and I have been married 25 years this year. Let that sink in, 25 years. I bet you for half of those years, somebody lived with us, Brandon. Okay, half of those years, somebody lived with some of y'all in this room today. Okay, some of you are listening via Facebook. Okay, we've we've always had people in our house and I didn't realize it, but we're just following scripture because you're supposed to be hospitable. We're supposed to share our love. We're supposed to love people. Okay, I just wish people would clean up after themselves while we're okay. Different story, different story. Okay, but here's the deal, guys. We're supposed to do all these things. And the main impetus of everything I talked about today is a heart of God, is a heart of love, loving one another. You know, the Bible tells us to love God and to love others. And that really sums this Christianity thing up, doesn't it? If we love God and if we love others, guess what? God can use us to do some great things.